Hey guys, this is Justin from The Prince of Memegypt. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Prince of Memegypt and on Twitter at Internet Moses. You're listening to Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad on the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, guaranteed to be gluten-free. We are victim of illusion. You are listening to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. And the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. Friendly Atheist Dad and host of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, whatever you happen to be doing, whether you're driving, sleeping. I have a special guest with me today. Would special guests like to say hi? No. <laughs> okay. This has been the Tall Friendly Podcast. <laughs> Show's over already. No. Um, well, before you leave, can you at least yeah, say, say hi or something and introduce yourself? Hi, this is Jax on TikTok. I'm known as that... That one chick, 26. I occasionally pop up on the Tall Friendly Atheist Ad podcast every once in a while. So if you're a regular here, you may have heard me before. You have to say a bit deeper. The Tall I gotta go a little deeper. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's not bad of it. Because it turns out that over the course of our friendship, um, we have a a similar love of video games, role-playing games... Uh, Japanese culture, Japanese literature, though you're more, much more into that than I am. Um, <laughs> or you should say maybe Asian culture, but you have a special uh, specialty on uh, Japanese literature. Yeah, I've got and, a minor in that, so I hope I know what I'm talking well, about, the, at least a little the, bit. The, I would call us both Asianized, but I think the biggest question is how does a Midwest girl come to love Japanese culture? So it really got started in around high school, I want to say. I'd been introduced to Japanese animation or anime for short here in yep. America. Um, <laughs> I'd seen some of it when I was growing up, but I didn't really understand the connection between the stuff that I was seeing and the fact that it was made somewhere other than the United States. From my point of view, uh, America can be stereotyped as if it didn't happen in America, it didn't happen. <laughs> For some people, that's absolutely kind of the object permanence that's being missed. <laughs> but yep. Yep. Um, sometime in high school, I want to say when by this point in time, really exploded. You also are getting the introduction of iPads, smaller laptops that are now starting to be integrated into um, the career for high schoolers and some places and it's around this point that I did some research and realized that some of the shows that I loved growing up as a kid 
were made in this other culture. And such as um, so the initial ones that I'd seen growing up as a kid were Yu-Gi-Oh, Sailor Moon, Digimon, Pokemon, uh, the, the cartoons. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the cartoons. But as I at this point, I started to make the connection of, oh, these animations were being made outside of the U.S. So yep. so I started to get more to the adult things like Inuyasha, Mario Vampire, which I probably should not have been watching in my <laughs> But yep, yep. this is also the time of high internet piracy when it comes to anime. So yep. it made sense that I started wandering around the internet and may have stumbled upon a few things I probably should not have yeah. known. But it is what it is. And it just kind of kept going from there. And by the time I hit college, number one, I discovered a bunch of other people like me who loved anime. Yep. And I joined a club that's all about seeing and experiencing Japanese culture through Japanese animation. Okay, yep. And I also discovered that my university actually had two Japanese teachers who are Japanese. Okay, so Japanese teachers in the Bible Belt of the States. <laughs> I know, it's a little weird. Yeah, not not just a little weird. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say incredibly weird. I'll pause you there for a sec, Jax, because I was a teenager in the 90s and our morning TV shows were a mix of uh, Japanese and American cartoons. And probably the most notable, the, the, the probably the name I remember most is Sailor Moon. Oh, yes. And as a, uh, this is a probably maybe a little bit TMI, but um, there was a particular reason why teenage boys liked watching Sailor Moon. And I'm a little bit surprised that it got past the censors. They, well, not all of it got past the censors. The censors did um, some alterations to the animation, especially the scenes that I know you're talking about, the transformation sequences. Correct, yes, the transformation, yes. If you actually do a side-by-side -side comparison between the Japanese original animation and then the censored version, there's actually some differences, but you would you may not catch it completely because a lot of it was pretty subtle. Okay, all right. But um, however, I, as a teenage boy, already knew that, you know, those body parts are there and the fact that they're showing them, even if it is for like a couple of frames. Yeah, and I have to say my favorite was Sailor Mercury, just to... <laughs> just 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 pointing it out there um because so we had sailor uh, saturn was mine <laughs> okay, okay. Well, there you go on one channel you'd have like the smurfs which is a european uh, cartoon mm -hmm. then on another channel you had like x-men which is your uh the american you know violence mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff but then you also had a you had you had sailor moon and you know me i actually went like just because i like the aesthetic and the appeal and the probably not quite as violent storylines like you know i wasn't quite the explosions and you know bash shit up kind of kids it was more of a <laughs> i was more of the smurfs and comical cartoon kind of kind of kid mm -hmm. myself because i think around this time you also had doraemon uh, i know, Dor yes. I know Dor doraemon's been around for you know, donkey's years but you know that was uh, kind of picked <laughs> up in the 90s and pokemon uh -huh. as well so i'm sure we can get into that later on but anyway so you had a couple of japanese teachers at in your part of the world tell me which more. so i decided because i wanted to know more about japanese culture beyond what the animes give you because let's be real there's tropes in everything no yeah. matter what you yeah. go to and i actually wanted to know 
the real culture behind the stuff that I was watching. And I figured the best way to do that initially was, hey, let's learn the language because especially if you go into the comedy side of things, a lot of Japanese comedy is wordplay. And if you don't understand what they're saying and why they're being said the way they are, you're not going to understand what the actual funny haha thing was. Okay, do you have any uh, examples off the top of your head of, well, of something like that? So in Black Butler, the musical, the second musical, the climax of the main musical is when everyone has to go to the Crystal Palace, which is a essentially opera style, sorry, opera style location, kind of similar to what we have at Broadway, but yep. in such a way that opera singers, um, you can be heard no matter where you are. Yep. So the get, there's a gag in the middle of them all going, oh, we all have to go to the Crystal Palace, the Crystal Palace, the Crystal Boyfriend. Huh? So in English, that joke makes no sense. The way that you say Crystal Palace in Japanese, and there's another way to say that. Mm-hmm. Say it is Kristeru Kareshi, and Kareshi means boyfriend in Japanese. Oh, okay. All right. So... While everyone else is saying Crystal Palace, the two comic relief characters are saying Crystal Boyfriend and then doing a double take because for the language, that joke makes sense. Is it just a context thing that Palace, you differentiate between Palace and Boyfriend or is there like a way you have to say the word to make it? It's partially context and partially intonation. So oh, okay. oh, Intonations. Oh, there's a... <laughs> There's something uh, we get get caught up on as well. Um, I'll go over mm-hmm. my background a little bit briefly to so get why I say that. Uh, my wife is Chinese Indonesian, and I can speak a little bit of both both languages. And how can I say Chinese is famous is famous for its intonations, and mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's it really sucks having a language where the number four, the number ten. The word for happening is also the same word for dying or dead. Uh-huh. So I once tried to say just happened, and I accidentally accidentally said what just died. Yeah. And <laughs> so people looking at me, well, <laughs> I didn't make the language up. You know, stop, stop making it hard for <laughs> white people to learn you. But then again, the famous trope in comedy is the Asian person who can't speak English very well. Maybe I was just getting my comeuppance, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, uh, so Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, Crystal Boyfriend. Yes. So it's, I will at the very least say, Japanese is not as bad with intonations as Chinese. The, well, I'll talk about this in a second, but one of the jokes that us and some of the other Asian students had who were learning Japanese was... Yeah, um, at the very least, pants and underwear may be just one intonation, but you at least can figure out context which one you meant. <laughs> yep, yep. So while I was at my school, go Bulldogs, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but while I, was, while I was there, I decided I wanted to do an Asian study here, and part of that requires three years of language courses in some form of Asian language. And mm-hmm. I decided with Japanese because it was the one that I had at least had some passing knowledge of compared to the others. Yep. And that's where I wanted to focus on. Could I ask what other options did you have? Uh, the other options, if I wanted to do a specialization like I did with 
specifically Japanese. I could do Chinese, Indian, or South Korean specifically. There were some people who could teach you Persian or Arabic, like which I, looking at the Arabic language, the actual writing, it looks beautiful. <laughs> no idea yeah. what it says. Exactly, but <laughs> so, somehow they make a they make a, and I, I don't know. I'm just thinking that yeah, l- learning Persian or Arabic around the turn of nine eleven uh, may not have been a. Well, bear in mind at the time that I'm taking these classes. This is around 2013. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm appreciably older than you somehow. <laughs> oh, the wonders of the internet! You can find people of all sorts. Yes, uh, or, yeah, all sorts. That might be the best way of putting it. Okay, so you learnt, <laughs> so you decided Japanese because you had a you had an interest in the culture and the language. Mm-hmm. How did I get from the Midwest to Japan? Yes, yeah, so obviously on a plane. Well. Two planes, but who's oh, counting? Okay. <laughs> um, so to add on to this, one of the things that my college does is they do kind of like a sister program mm-hmm. with colleges around the world. Essentially, the idea is we'll take some students from your college or institute of learning, and in return, you get some of our students. Okay. So what people call a student exchange. Yes, sorry. So... There was a couple of colleges in Japan that I could have gone to, mm-hmm. but um, the one that I decided to look into was Hosei University, which yep. is in essentially Tokyo County, Tokyo City. Okay. Think of it as New York State, New York City. That's kind oh, yeah. of, there's Tokyo County and Tokyo City, and those are two different things. Yep. So when, when you say Tokyo, you're referring to the... In this case, I'm referring to Tokyo County or Tokyo. Okay. So Hosei University is in Tokyo Prefecture. Mm-hmm. And I decided to apply to see if they would accept me. Well, not a lot of people uh, went for the Japan student exchange. That's for sure. Which meant you're, you're almost guaranteed to get in, no? I think, I believe so. From what I understand, they usually send no more than six students. But at the time that I was submitting my application there was only i think one other person oh wow so i decided to apply for a full year term instead of a single semester okay because i figured if i'm going to learn the culture one semester isn't going to do it no uh, definitely not no especially for a culture that is as different from my own as you can almost get yep yep so i applied and by I think June, I I discovered that yeah I've been accepted. Yay! So June of 2016, I get accepted. <laughs> so yeah, that's a yeah. <laughs> I was expecting the soundboard to come in. <laughs> so June of 2016, I get mm-hmm. accepted into the student exchange program, and I've got two months to get everything put together. <laughs> and what, what do you mean everything put together? When I say that, not just getting packed, but also getting my cell phone service changed to something international. That way, okay. contact. Minor detail, yep. Because Paperwork. This, there's was, a, I was sorry to interrupt, but this would have been in the days before WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Messenger. 2016, there was Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp, but if I wanted to text calls from home, I had to have some sort of international service. Okay. All right, fair enough. Now, like in an emergency. Yep. <laughs> But nowadays, um, 
obviously WhatsApp can call as well, and like Discord can call mm-hmm. as well. And back in my day, this sounds that's what we're saying. Back in my day, <laughs> uh, I may have told you, may have told you this story, but um, uh, at the time, me and my girlfriend, now wife, were dating. This was this would have been back in the early two thousands. The way she called back home to Jakarta was via a phone card. So you go to like a news agent or a post office, and you'd buy a, a prepaid card with a particular uh-huh. provider. What would then happen is that this card has, let's say, fifty dollars worth of value on it. You go to a phone, like your other phone box or someone's landline, like with an actual telephone. <laughs> so weird saying that. <laughs> and so you you call the number of the provider. And then if you follow their prompts and then you call up the, the number that you want to call up. And so depending if it's a mobile or landline, what country, uh, different rates, different times, or all, all, all that kind of stuff. And so, right. yeah, it will cost, you know, you could get maybe like 10, uh, 10 cents a minute or something like that. And that will be the way, I think there's a few times where we connect, we uh, connected via Telnet which is uh, yeah, if you if you know if you know that uh, uh, ICQ as well. It was a, <laughs> going back going back a fair bit. So your experience sounds a little bit more pleasant, a bit more technologically advanced than uh, than mine. But you had to get your phone ready. You had to get like yourself ready. What else was there? Uh, there was also a lot of paperwork, making sure my passport was up to date, and the paperwork also included stuff for hey, do you want to stay at a dorm? by the university or do you want to try to find a place to live on your own and i went um i'm gonna go with the first one because that's a much easier (laughs) true true was there any cost difference at all or like would they have paid Um, for external accommodation so part of it my university did pay for some parts of the dorm experience quote unquote but um i did have to pay okay Good news is is that my uni- the Ver- university also at the time I don't know if it's the case now because they were changing the policies but from when I was but when I was there they had so few students that they were actually giving stipends nice to make make sure that you know hey we want you to have as good a time as possible here's a stipend go nuts with it <laughs> Night, nightclub money um. In one case, literally, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Because <laughs> you were still a believer at this stage, weren't you? It, yeah. So at this time, I'm still a Christian. Um, I didn't lose my faith, deconvert, however you want to phrase it. That was after I graduated. So at this time, I'm still a Christian. Yep. Uh, one aspect of your story that intrigues me is health insurance. We'll get there once we're actually in Japan. Sure. But nice. at the time... Um, my parents did invest in some worldwide insurance temporarily until we could figure out what I was going to do once I got there. A lot of this time before going to Japan was finding out as much as I could. And unfortunately, the college that I was going to in the States was not helping. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So fun fact, if you go to a college that the exchange program doesn't really have a lot of people going through that particular program, you will at best one person that you get to work with okay all right and unfortunately that particular person and this may have changed since i was there but the Mm. person working with had no knowledge of what to expect oh okay yep so i was essentially on my own trying to figure out what my first few days look like out of country 
Because this, this would have been the first time you were out of the States, no? Not only out of, well, I've been out of, but out of country for sure. Okay, and yeah, yeah. this is also my, I think, second time that I was flying without my parents. Ooh, exciting. So I, and not just flying without my parents, flying for more than a couple of hours without my parents. <laughs> Ooh, this was big for me. Worldwide insurance was something that my parents did invest in, at least briefly, until we could figure out what would happen once I landed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because at that time, we had no idea because nobody gave me any information, which is always fun. <laughs> yep. Oh, so you, remember, you remember saying that you this is the first time you've flown for more than a couple of hours without your parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, and did I mention that I'm transferring planes as well? Oh. <laughs> At this time, there's a lot of panic throwing things against the wall, essentially going, let's make sure paperwork's done. Let's make sure, oh, no, they need a photo. Here's a photo of myself on their lighting, and there are multiple hours difference for me, so I got to make sure that I'm ready to get their emails whenever and respond back immediately. You know, normal stuff. It's also at this time that I start dating, and I'm dating who is now my husband. How long between you officially dating and you going? A couple months. Okay, so (laughs) enough enough time for him to miss you. Okay. (laughs) Granted, we had known each other before dating. At least, there was at least a connection that was already there before. It wasn't just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. A couple months passed. We get everything ready. Now... From the time that I wake up the morning of the flight until I get to the flight terminal to wait for my plane, I have very little memory. You were concussed. And sort of. Essentially, this is the time when my anxiety was still undiagnosed. There's a whole other episode we can do on that. Yes, but essentially, I'm pretty sure I had a panic attack from the time I woke up to the time I was at the terminal. There are some gaps in my memory from that morning. But we finished packing everything up go to the airport i say my last goodbyes and i wait from three until i think 5 30 a.m is when my first flight was from where i live down to texas (laughs) texas yep texas and i was flying down with one other person from my college that i at least knew because we were both taking similar classes to get minors at the but he decided to fly on standby, and he, lucky bastard, got to fly first class on both the flights. How does that happen? Uh, you can essentially pay for a standby flight where if somebody doesn't show up, oh. you can sit where they're supposed to be. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yep. Luck of the draw, literally. Meanwhile, I'm back here at economy. <laughs> in, ca- in cattle class. But I decided to be very specific with my seating. I actually chose seating near the very back, close to the restroom in the back. Okay. And part of my logic behind that was I didn't want to hit a bunch of people on my way to and from the restroom. Okay. So if the only person I'm really inconveniencing is the person I'm sitting next to, then by all accounts, I feel like that's a little bit nicer. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, I have that problem as as well on on flights. I uh, 
Yeah, being being tall, like they, they don't make aeroplanes for tall people, and yeah, so nope. I will I will try grab a an aisle seat just so I can yeah I don't have mm-hmm. to like literally stand in people's laps to uh or make make them smell the backside as, <laughs> as, as I walk past. But yeah, no, I think the last international flight I took was back from Hong Kong a few years ago, and I actually got a like the very last a seat on the very last row with my son who was probably about five at the time so i used his space to try to stretch my legs out and it just it, it worked <laughs> out but it was still uncomfortable but it was better than having like you know a, another adult next to me <laughs> yeah so which i did <laughs> oh, okay regardless um it was nice to have at least someone else that I kind of knew with me, though, because we had breakfast together. We both had the same flights, so we could at least keep each other company while we were waiting. And so Texas, I took the 13 hours to Japan. 13 hours, jeez, that's uh, literally half a day in a plane. And I spent none of it sleeping. And what's the time difference between where you live and Japan? Um, 15 or 16 hours, depending on whether we're in daylight savings or not. Yeah, yeah, yep. So you basically, you would have been up for two days straight, basically. Yep. No, no sleep. (laughs) But the good news is, is that the food on the airplane was surprisingly good. Okay. Well, there you go. That's uh, one thing, one thing you do remember. I, I remember the food being pretty decent. And I remember actually trying the Japanese style food because I wanted to kind of get used to the idea of chopsticks because i was still very new on how to use them okay yep and also just generally i needed to know what kinds of cuisine i was going to be eating for the next year so might as well get started now okay and what it was a full year almost it was more like 11 months but it was essentially a year so you get there what's the first Mm -hmm. thing you do well the first thing i do is realize it smells like fish because Yep. We are right by the ocean, and I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was, and yep. <laughs> here we are. No, the first thing that we did was we waited for the last few people to arrive. We were going to all go to the dormitories together. Yep. And to do that, we had to wait for the last few people on their flights to come in. We were the first ones there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we so- waited, and... So I say you. Yeah. So you've been up uh, basically all day from the first flight to Texas, then from Texas to uh, to Tokyo, and now you've still got to be up because you're the first ones to arrive. You're in a foreign country. You don't know where to go. You don't know who you're talking to. So you're in a foreign <laughs> country. You're sleep deprived. You're. I, I take it you're excited. Yes. So essentially, I find out at this time two things. Number one. Japanese internet at the airport is not bad. It's, it's, it's pretty decent. Japanese what, sorry? Internet. Downside. Oh. When I'm off that Wi-Fi, I get 2G. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. This is back in the days of 2G, so... It was either 4G or 2G. I had oh, the big choice. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. So I do t- text home and let them know that I got here safely. Um, we're going to be waiting another, I think, 30 to 60 minutes for the last stragglers to show up for the next leg of our trip, which is an hour charter bus to closer to our dormitory. Now, the good news is, is that we're not there alone. Um, when we landed, we actually found the person who was going to take us there, uh, who was enlisted by the university to get us to our dormitory. Okay. 
Okay. So we weren't there alone, and this person did speak English. So that helps a lot. Yes, it <laughs> in this does. Situation. Yes. So we're waiting, and I discover the beauty of heated vending machines. Oh, tell me more. Okay. In America, for my Americans, if you've seen vending machines, you probably are aware that, you know, they come with a cold setting. Always cold, though, right? They're like you get your drinks and your, your candy bars and your chocolates and your... Except in Japan, there are two settings on many vending machines, hot and cold. Really? Mm-hmm. So you could get cold drinks or hot drinks from the same vending machine. <gasps> and they... <gasps> mind blown. For, yeah, for me, it was a mind blow, especially since <laughs> I'm sleep deprived. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's warm out, I decide to go for what they called ice, ice cocoa or ice chocolate or chocolate milk. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I can get cold drinks and hot drinks from the same thing. This is going to be amazing in winter. Something I did uh, use raise just then that I did want to ask about is how many terms in Japanese do they rearrange to make it sound like the English name or the equivalent English name? So it depends on the thing. So if the thing was in Japan before other people came in and other, started other, importing other things. white people who speak English from Western <laughs> nations, those kind of people? Mostly, but there's a couple of them that are from some Asian countries as well. I but get you, yeah. Generally speaking, if it was something that Japan had before people started importing things, mm -hmm. then there's probably a Japanese equivalent of that name somewhere. Okay, yep. But if it is something that came exclusively from foreigners at some point in time, and I say foreigners with a very positive intonation here, <laughs> then there is essentially a anglicized version of the name, so to speak. Uh, all right, yep, yep. In my experience, Indonesia had a, a very similar thing. They had their cultural revolution back in the, I think, 60s, mm. 50, 50s or 60s. I forget exactly when. And yeah, up until, just trying to, th I forget the timelines, but there are a number of words in Indonesian for a native English speaker. You can probably get away with saying the English word, but in a very, with Indonesian pronunciation. And for example, mm -hmm. chocolate, you say chocolat, which is, okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's easy enough. Or if you're saying the word insurance, uh, the word insurance is, is asuransi. You can kind of work with that. Or, or the word for car is mobile. And then and then the word for train is kereta api, which literally means fire car, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> but yeah, in Japanese, there's aisu kokoa, hotu kokoa, chokoreto. So if it's just chocolate by itself, chokoreto probably okay. going for Air conditioning is aircon. We talked about the difference between pants and underwear. And fun fact, it's pantsu or pantsu. Oh, jeez, that's not gonna that's not gonna confuse people <laughs> at all. No, not at all. Um, there's also juice, and that covers soda and juice. So you gotta be careful with that. Okay. Yep. Yep. Cream. How would you say ice cream in Japanese? Ice cream. Okay. Whereas in Indonesian, it's es cream. So it's still very, very anglicized, um, just with yes. essentially uh, the localized pronunciation. There are some things you can get away with, but not everything. And True, yep. luckily by this point in time, I had three years of Japanese under my belt for classes. Okay. I was not completely left to left to dry. 
Okay, all right. So you you weren't quite a fish out of water like I was, and just had to learn by hanging around with family and friends and all all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. No. Good. Good. That's you at least you at least had something. But I would I would argue that Mm -hmm. uh, classes are one thing, but actually being there is something different. Correct. And we can get into the idea of standardized versions of languages another time. But (laughs) essentially, another another thing. Essentially, I was learning the Tokyo variant of. Japanese. And that's just something that even my Japanese professors told me was, hey, what you're learning in class is what Tokyo people are going to say. But if you go to other places, just be prepared that there may be some dialect differences. So don't be surprised. Fair fair enough. Uh, I will uh, continue to talk about cultural differences slightly more, but I do want to get onto cartoons and films and books and uh, and (laughs) RPGs. But no, no, your story um, fascinates me partly because it mirrors my own in some aspects, but also I do have an appreciation for Japanese culture, um, even though I've never have been exposed to it much. But having (laughs) having obviously watching cartoons and having worked with a Japanese electronics manufacturer, you do get some sort of insight into how they into how they do things, but being a white uh, Western woman in Japan, tell me just some things that you sh- you would have liked to have known, but you weren't. So one thing that I wish I knew was the difference in tolerance between age groups of people. I had multiple experiences, and we can get to this another time, where a Japanese person who was 40 or older did not, let's say, shall we say, didn't appreciate my presence in that area oh whereas if they were younger than 35 there was a pretty strong chance that they would be at least okay with my presence if not be genuinely excited to see me there okay and what do you mean by not accepting of your presence so what what do you mean by that i think to help encapsulate kind of the idea was one time i was heading towards classes and i walked past a pachinko gambling parlor and as i'm walking past a couple of 40s-ish Japanese men who are outside smoking. They look at me and they say, ah, gaijin. Ah, which is foreigner. Well, here's the thing. Remember, we talked about how Japanese is kind of an intonation language. Yes. Um, the way that they said gaijin is actually more the word for alien in connotation. Oh, okay. They didn't think I could understand them when they <laughs> They figured out real quick I couldn't understand them when I glared at them as I walked past. Oh, so was it wasn't the middle fingers that you The problem is is if I did that, they would think I was just being a typical American. Oh can't have that now, can we? Keep in mind I'm also still religious at this time okay. and the idea of throwing up the middle finger at someone I don't know, incredibly spooky to me. Okay. But so you prayed for them instead? No, instead I just thought in my mind, wow. <laughs> rude and i moved on uh, fair enough fair enough okay so there is a ageist difference as well yeah i think i also looked extremely young and i still do like i still have people coming up to me and going you're not old enough to drink and i go the hell i'm not (laughs) actually the first time i saw your uh, profile pic i i I think i remember asking is that you how old is your daughter that's me (laughs) that's that's the thing oh was that was that your childhood picture no that was my wedding photo <laughs> uh, I still get a little. I still pretend to be mad at you when you say that now. But how you know? You, you, you can't be mad at me. I'm, I'm, I'm charming. Apparently, <laughs> sort of, kind of. But let's get on to RPGs and games and films and books. 
Okay. So what what was the first one that you really like got into? So, um, okay. Um my first role-playing game from Japan, mm-hmm. JRPG, was when I had just got my braces put in at age 12. Okay. So if we're gonna start Aside from anime, if we're going to start anywhere, JRPGs would be the next thing to go to. Sure. Um, so anime, I am a very busy person now, so mm-hmm. it's hard to keep up with stuff. But with JRPGs, for whatever reason, I can find time for that. Which I know. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. It's my ADHD brain, I swear. But... That being said, um, JRPGs, in in terms of gameplay, I enjoy it. The stories are usually a lot lighter, which is yes. ironic from the um, <laughs> from the written stuff that I have seen of Japanese artists. that go, "What happened?" <laughs> yep, yep. I pressed. What's happening? I was but, saying, um, I, I I was exposed to a few manga uh, in school, and uh, yeah, there was a, like some of the uh, some of the stuff was pretty gory and violent. And then you play who a hurt game. You sorry, <laughs> who hurt you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the first one I saw was Three by Three Eyes. That was oh yeah, exactly. I'm like, it, so sorry. <laughs> but like for as, as a teenage kid like three by three eyes was like oh look at this and like splat and like all the blood everywhere it's like okay it's like the cool thing that shouldn't be passed around high school boys but it was passed around high school boys and uh yeah so yeah but J- jrpgs but, um yeah so let, let's go on with that yep so my first jrpg was tales of symphonia on the gamecube okay. which I know, I know. (laughs) Aging myself a little bit here, but um, I I really enjoyed it. For me, it was it was a twist on the idea of the savior, the one chosen one who saves the world. Mm -hmm. And for sake of spoilers, I'm not going to get into what the twist is, but there is a twist in there. And for me personally, as someone who deals with the martyr and savior complexes. It's something that I still think about. I still think about that twist and I still have to reflect on what happens in the story and go, am I being like the beginning half of the story? Am I being the second half of the story? I need to figure out where I am and fix it. If I'm you on had, the first you had, half. you had an existential crisis. Less of an existential crisis and more of an, Oh damn it. That's me. Oh, okay. okay. Son of a bitch. But not with those words, but <laughs> so religious, but um, mm, yes. I uh, would you call Legend, would you call Legend of Zelda an, a, a JRPG to some extent? I think so, maybe mm. a more simple RPG, but I could I could see I could see someone saying it's a JRPG. Okay, all right. So for me, that that would be my first foray into RPGs was a Legend Legend of Zelda: Adventure of Link. Ooh. O- on the on the uh, on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes. So I'm definitely aging myself by saying this. <laughs> hey, I have one of those still. I have one of those. Oh, so. oh okay. That's a we we can nerd, we can nerd out together. <laughs> 
It was my grandmother's. She actually passed it down to me. So there's a fam- family heirloom worth uh, fight fighting over. Uh-huh. But anyway, yeah. So that's cool. Mm. Hey. <laughs> but next, uh, what 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 else is on your on your on your list? So that was the first JRPG. A lot of the Tales games I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, the Tales series is one of those that. Mwah, is nice for me. Um, okay. I would also argue that um, Harvest Moon, the Harvest games, were also um, kind of JRPGs, but in a much more casual, friendly way, where okay. you're farming. Well, to say more towards action RPG, or maybe uh, action RPG, maybe maybe not, but yeah. So going to the action RPG side of things, hi Persona, what are you doing here? You've got a cat. No, Persona. Ah, oh, I, I, I thought your cat was uh, screaming for attention. No. Uh, nope, this is Persona. I love Persona. Persona okay. my favorite so far, but I do have Persona 4 Gold and I'm working through as well. Okay. Tell, tell me more about Persona. Like, what is it that cap- captures it? So Persona 5 in particular um, deals with the idea of masking yourself but in order to be your true self, unmasking and you're more powerful that way. Is this a Shin Megami Tensei persona? Yes. Okay, all right. So so this is the spinoff of the Shin Megami Tensei series, but Persona 5 specifically deals with unmasking yourself to be at your true strength. Okay. Very, uh, very, very philosophical. (laughs) And Persona 4 is encountering the the negative or the bad aspects of yourself so to speak and embracing them as part of who you are okay and because you can only get better if you acknowledge that those parts of you exist if you keep denying them then it's just going to consume you and you're never going to notice until it's way too late well this is uh, i think we can uh, it's a very very pertinent uh, philosophical lessons in life Mm-hmm. Right there, and I'm sure there's another there's another episode we could do <laughs> we could do together <laughs> we could do together right there. Um, I didn't but, quite get I didn't quite get into those uh, those games. I if I say the name uh, Chrono Trigger, yes, sorry, <laughs> yes, that's that's why that's why, that's why we're friends, Jax. <laughs> no, I'll, I would I would argue that Chrono Trigger is probably the best uh, RPG of all time. Though I think there's some uh, very very strong contenders as well, and I could as a as a boy in high school, I wasted, uh, I wouldn't say wasted, I devoted many, many, many hours uh, mm-hmm. to, I, I never actually finished the game, but um, I I did get close and I kept on dying towards the uh, the, the back end. Um, Which yeah, makes that, sense. Yeah, that and Secret of Mana. I don't know, like Secret of Mana never really I quite. I need to play that. <laughs> it's, it's probably not quite, like it's, it's probably not quite as good as Chrono Trigger, but it has that. Uh, it is still cartoony. It is still, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It is still. Um, I suppose it has that. It has that Japanese, uh, that light-hearted aestheticness about it that Chrono, oh, Trigger, yeah. Chrono Trigger had. The, the, like the, Squ- the Square Enix Studios, like there, mm-hmm. there was there was like a template. There was like a cookie cookie cutter thing that they used, but they did it very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Secret of Mana did get a remake like a remaster mm-hmm. but yep from what i can tell it's kind of a mixed mixed ratings 
Uh, I think that's partially to be expected with a remake like this with a beloved game. Yes, you have to. Uh, you have to, you have to be careful with mm-hmm. uh, with with things like that. But um, but that was on the Super Nintendo, which is uh, again showing my age. But um, <laughs> yeah. So before, so you're saying yeah, you played on the GameCube. Uh, I think the, before mm-hmm. the GameCube was the Super Nintendo. No, and before that, that was the sixty four. Oh, sorry. Yes, that was a the, the, the sixty four didn't uh, wasn't. The 64 didn't yes. really turn, uh, set the world on fire, but anyway, that's. Uh, I'm just surprised that the, the, the game Cube isn't an actual cube. <laughs> no. But but but, but then um, again, but then again, the Game Boy isn't an actual boy either. True. Um, one of the other ones that I have played through to some extent is the Near series. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. That's. That's definitely that's definitely action though. If I, oh yeah, yeah, but action in a much more philosophical way, kind of like Persona. Okay, I tried playing Nia and didn't didn't enjoy it. I don't um, know, I don't know if that's the end of our friendship, but I just yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So the original Nier, the the gameplay mechanics, but I understand the original were not super great. No, um, that, that was probably the thing. Like, I just found the, uh, yeah, the way that, yeah, I, I, yeah, I hate it. Which is understandable, but um, in in the, there's a remake for Nier now, and okay. they've done some tweaking of the combat system, so it's at least a little better. Okay. Um, to get the best ending or to get the, like, final ending you still have to collect all the weapons which i'm sure some people hate that idea of grinding to find everything yes but but it's at least it's at least been tweaked a little bit and they've also added um some post-game stuff that more readily ties in near to near automata okay yep which I did play the entire day of Nier Automata and it. <laughs> okay. And no, I'm not saying that because of Nier's butt in your face the entire time. I'm saying it because I actually enjoyed the combat and the story. Okay, yeah. That's like saying, that's like someone reading Playboy for the articles. <laughs> Are you calling yourself out there, sir? I, I possibly am. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it is interesting. It is interesting how... Um, I noticed this with uh, Chrono Trigger as well, where um, all the like the male characters are just like run of the mill, you know, uh, male characters, but the female characters tend to be in two flavors: either nerdy like Valma from Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. or they're really hot with you know nice chesticles and you know curves and stuff like that. And see, this is why I like Kaine from Mir. Um, I don't, based off what you're saying, I don't know if you got far enough into it, but one of my favorite no. characters <laughs> from the Mir series is Kaine. She is a badass. Mm-hmm. Wears admittedly very little clothing, but she's doing it on purpose. Like she's actually got backstory reasons for wearing the clothing that she does. Okay, yep. And she curses like a sailor and okay. has the largest goddamn dual swords I've seen. 
in jewel, a long jewel time. Swords. You say jewel swords, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. That's just making sure. And I love her attitude. I love... The character design is good as well, but I love her personality more as a very sassy, angry person, which I you don't see in a lot of female characters both in normal RPGs and in JRPGs. So, 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 so I missed that last part. In, <clears throat> sorry, in That's a lot of JRPGs or RPGs in general, Kaine is one of the rare who looks good doing what she does, but she's also not demure. She's not... Okay, all right. She's not the damsel in distress, mm -hmm. even though she, have a kind of, she does have a couple moments of that. But all the characters do in this game. I, okay, all right, that's... All of them have a couple moments. So, but she also... So it isn't, play, it isn't playing to the trope. No, she is very much a badass who will kick your ass. And at one point in the... At one point in the game, uh, you actually get to take control of her. And when you do, um, if you try to look up her skirt, she will actually kick the camera and say, stop it. <laughs> Eventually, if you do it enough times, she will actually knock the camera over and then stomp on it. <laughs> You're right. She's not wearing much clothing at all. <laughs> For those of you who are not looking at the Discord chat, <laughs> um, I no. sent a of what Kaine looks like too. Uh, look, I, th I think the audience can easily uh, type in the words K-A-I-N-E uh, space N-I-E-R and I'm sure they'll, <laughs> they'll find uh, plenty of... But just just looking, just looking at that, um, I'm reading a quote from the fandom, fandom page. Vice, yes. you dumbass, start making sense, you rotten book, or you're going to be sorry. Maybe I'll rip your pages out one by one, or maybe I'll put you in the goddamn furnace. How can someone with a big, smart brain get hypnotized like a little bitch, huh? Oh, Shadow Lord, I love you. Shadow Lord, come over here and give Weiss a big sloppy kiss, Shadow Lord. Now pull your head out, your goddamn ass, and start fucking helping us. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Laura Bailey does such a great job voicing Kainé on this. I love it. There you go. That's uh, certainly not certain, certainly not playing to the trope. So what is it on her left leg? Like, Is there a particular purpose that she has? Um, Those are bandages. Yes, uh, I figured that part out. So one thing that you find out very early on when you encounter Kaine is that she's actually possessed in part by the, the creatures in the game that you have to fight. Okay, yep. So she is essentially hiding the, as far as I know, she's hiding the runes that are scarring that part of her body okay, where, yep. where the creature is possessing her. Because it's oh, possessing okay half of her body okay that's interesting interesting but th there's one there's one reason why we're here Jax mm -hmm. two words actually f three final fantasy 14 gosh okay so <laughs> yeah. for those of you I, who I are listening I figure that you do need to go for your walk soon and there's a thousand one things we can talk <laughs> about but I know you're really oh keen to uh Keen to get oh, into this. Now, this now i will say my only experience i've never played played the final fantasy games mm -hmm. i have seen the first movie though which was the computer generated one yes which Has I, 
I don't know how I don't know how faithful to the story it is. Um, I thought it was an okay it was an okay story. Um, if you if you're exposed being exposed to manga or anime or anything like that, you know it's mm-hmm. you know by I wouldn't, I wouldn't say by the book, but it's a you know it's a, like a, sci- a sci-fi story. You know? mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, what is Final Fantasy XIV? Tell me more. Well, what are the inspirations behind it? What do you see in the? Well, what do you see in it that that captures you? So, um, in order to in order to like get a little bit of the meme out of the way, because if you've heard of this game before, you may have heard the meme, mm-hmm. and the meme for Final Fantasy XIV is. Have you heard of the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV? With an expanded free trial, which you can play through the entirety of A Realm Reborn and the award-winning Heavensward expansion, up to level 60 for free, with no restrictions on playtime. Okay, well, there you go. That, sound, that sounds like... um. <laughs> We're not a... Where? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what sounds as annoying as the Stanley Steamroads that you showed me the other the other, the other week. <laughs> and now the Americans are going to be mad at you for the next week. <laughs> the, the, they they can come here and get me. That's okay. The, 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 they have to know they can't bring their guns. That's that's the only thing. You can't bring your guns here. Yes. So um, Final Fantasy fourteen is what is known as a massively multiplayer online role playing game, which mm-hmm. said on a tin. You can play the game with people around the world. Um, In this case, a lot of um, MMOs are... Hold on two seconds. Mm -hmm. So much, honey bun. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too, Priscilla. Priscilla's yelling at Tom. (laughs) He's back. What, Tom didn't get her food? Oh, she's been fed. It's just that whenever he leaves and comes back, she starts screaming at him. What a bitch. (laughs) So anyway, um, like I said, MMORPGs, you can play with people around the world. Um, They Mm -hmm. actually recently put in an Oceana server so that Australian players actually have their own hopefully decent ping. (laughs) Yay. Someone loves Australia. (laughs) <laughs> but this is a game that's been running for 11 years yes it's been uh it's yep. it's incredibly in terms of rpgs it's not the oldest but it is certainly up there mm-hmm. it's got a large amount of players and that player base got bigger when world of warcraft did a few things which i won't get into yep because that's a whole other conversation yes it's but essentially, Final Fantasy XIV, you can the character you play actually plays a role in the story, which is right. huge because this particular RPG, or at least this particular MMO, focuses very heavily on story and world building and lore. All which right. is such as so. Let, let, let's get into that. So, one of the things that is really big in Final Fantasy 14 right now as we're recording this um, patch 6.1 release not too long ago. And if you are in the community, 6.1 got us all excited because we get to fight the gods of the world. 
Wow. So I- I'm sure that would have rubbed you the right way when you were a Christian. <laughs> I think I wouldn't have really thought of it much because it's twelve gods instead of one, and so I would really wouldn't have made a connection. I- okay. But in Final Fantasy XIV world, there are twelve gods, and twelve it- count them. <laughs> twelve. Number one, Halone, Halone, the Fury. Number two, Menfina, the lover. Number three, Thaliac, the scholar. Number mm-hmm. four, Nemea, the spinner. Number five, uh, Lim- Limlane, the navigator. Yes, it's spelled really weird. <laughs> yep. Next is Ocean, the wanderer. Next is Birgo, Birgo, the builder. Then you have Ralgar, the destroyer. Azima, the... Azema, Azima, one of the two, the warden. Yep. yep. Naltthal, the traitor, as in like trading goods. A trader. Yep. Nofika, the matron. Mm hmm. And Althic, the keeper. Okay. And of these gods, the ones that we're fighting for this particular expansion are builder, destroyer, warden, and traitor. Okay. Um, the lover doesn't sound like someone you need to fight. No, is there, that sounds. So in the expansion, the reason we've been given for fighting the gods is it's kind of a test. If you can defeat them, then they will give you more information about the world itself. Why these gods exist in the first place. Okay. Yep. What their current role is for the people and what they want you to do to help them. Okay. So you're not killing them, you are just putting putting them in their place. Yeah, you're not killing them. These guys are like, nah, we're, no. Nice try. <laughs> okay, that's a... You but, kick our butts? Okay, that's cool. We're okay, cool now. He, 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 he's a coin. Yeah, go 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 away and play, play <laughs> by yourself. But uh, we were talking before the chat that you reckon that, you, in your opinion, there's some uh, tie-ins with Greek, mytholo- Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And some other mythos as well, but let's get into that. Yeah, so- sure, love to. So the first um, god that you actually find is uh, Birgo, the builder. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look him up, it's B-Y-R-E-G-O-T. Not Birgot? It It's actually pronounced Birgo. Okay. Because screw us, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, English. Um, yep. So if you go look him up, and if you also type in FF14 behind it, you'll see what this iteration of him looks like because he's in other Final Fantasy games too, by the way. Okay, yeah. Um, but Birgo, when you look at him, you see he's got the two-sided hammer. He's throwing lightning at you, <laughs> which is always fun. What a boss. Um, and he's also making the stage shift and change underneath your feet. So you have to be paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah, and this seems to be a common thing in the uh, in Final Fantasy fourteen is the manipulation of the environment to mm-hmm. uh, make life hard for you. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, just 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 like American capitalism. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, so, looking at his design, the things that he throws at you for combat, there's a couple of different ways that you could see inspiration for him. Um, one is for those of you who like Greek mythology, Hephaestus. Mm. 
he's the builder. He's the one who makes things for the gods, which considering he, this particular iteration. Uh, I, thought Beardo, he was more of a, I thought he was more of a smith, a blacksmith. He is. Um, Hephaestus is, anyway. But Hephaestus yeah. is the one who makes Zeus's lightning bolts. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. So there is a lightning connection there. There's the connection to building things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Virgo is a lot more good looking than what Hephaestus is sold to be <laughs> in the Because <laughs> you, you couldn't have so, an ugly you couldn't have an ugly, an ugly god now, right? No. Not in this game, apparently, at least not yet. So um Instead, I also would argue that there's some inspiration from Thor as well, from Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Because of the, one, the way that he looks, and again, that lightning connection with the two-sided hammer. You oh, can make I, it- I was going to say, like, with the chiseled abs and the long blonde hair and the kind of Australian <laughs> accent. Oh. Thing, yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I thinking of the wrong Thor? Wrong one. Oh, sorry. All right. <laughs> And now we got the MCU fans upset. This <laughs> upset, that's upset have, everyone. <laughs> you're gonna have so many letters, but no. Um, I would at least argue that there is a little bit of Thor with the Hephaestus, but it could be a little bit of both. No, not not Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Was he? Well, he, was a, he was a Thunder God. I'm sure he took inspiration from Thor. I, okay, I just thought, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's another fighting god who uses lightning and... Yeah, okay, sorry. No, continue on. Don't, don't, don't mind me, I'm just... Uh... Don't mind you. Yeah, don't... No, you won't. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. Continue but, on. Um, continuing on. So the next, the next encounter that players have is with a scythe-wielding creature that also throws lightning at you. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell the way the designs are done, I can't necessarily see the connection between this and the next god that you fight. Okay. I'm sure if people are looking through and seeing the and you find the guide for this particular raid series, you get to see what it looks like. But um, I should say, what is a raid? What do you mean by a raid? This is this is something ah! that I, like I haven't played MMORPGs for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. I so I see the memes and I'm kind of familiar with the concept, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, since my ch- yeah, yeah, continue on. So so a raid, is- so a raid in in MMO is essentially a fight or series of fights that are done with more than your average amount of players. In World of Warcraft, I've heard, I've heard because I've not played it. I've heard that you could have massive raids, like fifty or more people. Okay, yep. bonkers because it seems like way too many people. I know that's too many particle effects. <laughs> but um, in Final Fantasy, in particular, there's two types of raids. There's the normal raid, which is eight players against normally a single boss. Yep. And these are higher difficulty than what you would find in the normal story, generally. Okay. But um, these raids are usually just dealing with a single boss encounter at the end of it, essentially, depending on the situation. There's, it's just at the very end. Right. Um, alliance raids are the bigger ones. Alliance raids are fought with 24 players and... Eat, there's three teams of eight. 
And these are more of a dungeon-based system. So you aren't just fighting one major boss and done. You're fighting multiple enemies, potentially a couple of cooldown rooms, essentially giving everyone a chance to breathe before you go to the next boss. Okay. All right. Which kind of sounds like kind of sounds like um, I have played a bit of Call of Duty, and mm. one of the one of the modes that uh, is in some of the Call of Duty games is the I forget exactly what it's called, but uh, where you and any number of players can take on the aliens that are uh, invading, and so you have to use your <laughs> military weapons and tactics and all that kind of stuff to fight off the. Uh, uh, and, and the longer you survive, the tougher the aliens get. And by mm-hmm. the time by the time you're about half an hour in, it just gets it just gets ridiculous. <laughs> but you know, and you have to rely on your friends to heal you and bring you back up and uh, all, all, right. all that kind of stuff. So I, I get the feeling that it's a little bit like this, except uh, this is a bit more a bit more aesthetic rather than military kind of stuff. But yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, less military, a lot more fantasy. Exactly. Yes, that's. Uh, I just find it weird that they call it Final Fantasy when there's like been fourteen of the game, so it's not really well, Final Fantasy. It's more of a. I'll at some point ask maybe that question again when we're talking about something that's specifically like history of things, and I'll touch back on. That. Okay, all right. So, so, so there's so, a reason behind the name. Okay, so tell me more about the gods in uh, in FF14. Mm-hmm. So. Like I said, the first major boss in this you fight is Beardgo. The next one is Ralgar, the Destroyer. Now, mm-hmm. in the game up to this point, we've seen Ralgar as like a magic user who has a staff. Mm-hmm. And the Breaker um, of Worlds. All right. Yes. Um, tiny thing. Teeny tiny little thing. Small, small um, He also punches things. Okay, all right. He punches a meteor. So... <laughs> because, of course, that's what you do. No, I'm just reading through um, <laughs> that that link that you sent me. Uh, it's got mm-hmm. here that Raga appears to be inspired by the Hindu god Vishnu in a similar mm-hmm. manner as the classic recurring uh, in Ramu. Uh, Ramu yes. himself appears to be based on the epic Hindu poem Ramayana. So, essentially, what this is saying, and part of this information is coming before the actual um, raid series was done. So keep that in mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, But the idea of a destroyer of worlds, you've got the use of lightning and fire, which Vishnu does utilize both. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the fight, you see that he actually calls meteors down and will fling them at you. But Vishnu also can... Just flings (laughs) planets. Meteors. Yeah, just here's a rock in the face. Bam. There you go. So um, I can definitely see where a lot of that's coming from. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. the big challenge is the punching things. Okay. <laughs> I would have thought a god without weapons was okay. Um. Well, if his weapon is fixed, you've got a problem. Uh, okay, all right. But... No, in previous iterations of Ralgar, you you don't see... He's also got, like, portals that he's using, which is a little different. And he still has the staff, which is nice that you actually see the staff, but he's also punching things, which is a little... 
face from what we were expecting. So he's also not, um, he's also not blue skinned, which it's not a direct inspiration, obviously, but if you were going for a more direct inspiration, then I would see having a darker skin tone at the very least being something to consider, which Final Fantasy did not go for. But as somebody who knows the culture, I think I can understand why they did that. Okay. All right. But I get why. Fair enough. But that's something we can talk about when we're specifically talking about the lack of actual Japanese-looking characters in Japanese media, specifically the visual stuff. Oh, there's, there's, another, there's another, three, another three episodes we could, <laughs> we could, oh, we boy. could, we could do. We could do. But we're going to move on because... This yes. is already a long enough episode as is, so I'm gonna try to. That's all right. Uh, t- all right, l- let's go one more god. What's uh, g- tell me? Tell me your next favorite god. So okay, there's actually two more gods that we would fight after this, okay. yeah. um, but I'm gonna try to speed through them as best I can because the other two have a lot more obvious connections. No so Azuma is the next god that is the goddess that you fight. She uses fans that also go on fire. She also has uh, wings on her back that also go on fire, and she will throw the fire at you. Um, yep. She also, the fight before you encounter her in the cooldown fight, there is a lion and a lioness that you fight, which is important. Because okay. people have pointed out, and you, I'm sure you see it on the website, people have pointed out that she's probably inspired by the sun goddesses Watch It Fast and Sekhmet. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are which makes sense because Azuma is the warden of the gods. Uh, Sekhmet and Lajit Bast were the protectors, or you could consider wardens, of mm-hmm. Amun-Ra. Um, yep. The lioness and the lion that you fight before Azuma, they're hers. They're the wardens. Lion of Lions, which is another connection to Lajit Bast and, and Sekhmet. Um. She's also using fans that look very Egyptian. If you actually take a very close look at her model, you can see that there is a little bit of Egyptian reference there. Okay. And so it kind of makes sense. All of these connections, it makes a lot more sense that Azuma has these ties to um, Wajit Bast and Sekhmet. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the 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 inspiration is definitely there. Yeah, uh, it's very much there and it's, and the developers very much made it clear w- during the fight that yes, this is where we're getting this stuff from. <laughs> okay, all right. So they're not, and not, then you, they're not. They're not trying to hide it. No, they're not trying to hide it at all. Then you have Naldthal, which is a bit of a doozy. <laughs> okay. Yep. So Naldthal, um, if you look him up, there, it's actually two people. <laughs> okay, he, he's a traitor. <laughs> he is a. In Final Fantasy XIV, he is the patron of one of the major cities, which deals with um, commerce, specifically. Like it. Um, There's two halves to this character. One rules over the world of the living, the other the realm of the dead, Uh which, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about it, because you choose your life after to go into the underworld. I can see this. It's a stretch, but I can see it. Right, okay, all right. So, um, so it's basically like the the Gemini twins, then. Uh, you could argue that in. Yep. So, 
prior to this fight coming out, absolutely, the idea of them being Gemini twins, it, the Gemini twins is very clear. Um, they, they're kind of a psychopomp in that they do go to the underworld every now and again, every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, once they both become gods, obviously. Um, there's also dealing with the business action, the business side of things because they get scammed and that's how they get. Oh, All right. However, in the fight itself, before the fight, we had seen Nalthal as twins separate from each other. But in the fight, Nalthal does separate at one point, but they're actually essentially two heads on a spinning wheel. Yay! So, I can still see the Gemini argument, but some of that kind of goes out the window. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's only inspiration. You're not literally fighting the the you know the actual yeah, but correct. <laughs> yes, it's. But I could also make the argument case for Pluto. Okay. So Pluto is the Roman version of Hades, and Pluto and Hades also both the underworld. But Pluto also adds the wealth side of things as well or one of them does one of them adds wealth to it i don't remember which but regardless you've got the god of gems and gemstones because originally it was believed by the greeks and romans that the underworld was underground and yeah you find gems underground yes what a surprise so Hades, Pluto, they also were the god, not just of the dead, but of riches, specifically gemstones. Because they're underground and, uh, yeah, like, once, hey, I'm looking after dead people here, I may as well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the argument can be made that Nalthal actually gets more inspiration from Hades and Pluto than Gemini. It's just that there's a little bit of a Gemini aspect thrown in to keep it interesting. Fair enough. All right. Cool. That's uh how very interesting. Um, I think we've uh, covered a fair bit already in this in this episode mm-hmm. of, uh, I'm just going to call it Japanese culture is awesome, part one. <laughs> we can, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more we can talk about, there, our shared, our shared mm-hmm. experiences. Um, we can probably even call it Asian culture is awesome because, you know, I'm talking about yeah. my, uh, my uh, in the, the Indonesian side of uh, Indonesian side of life. But Jax, thank you very much mm-hmm. for um, nerding out. <laughs> Thank you for having me and letting me uh, nerd out a little bit. <laughs> That's not, uh, my, my pleasure. You already you already did it on on Discord chat, so I may as well let you uh, uh, get it out. Now you've you've got a you've got a cat to feed, I believe, or you got a husband to um, go for a walk with, or <laughs> a little bit of both. But next time we talk, I would love to go more in depth into some of the tropes that you find. Maybe talk about one of my favorite um, horror manga authors as well, because Ooh. I. His stuff is interesting. And I think there's Cheek Sweet Home. You've uh, got a little thing you want to chat about there as well. Yes, Cheek Sweet Home is adorable, and I'm going to gush again at it at some point. <laughs> okay, now as well. Jax, um, keep on gushing, and I will have you back when you're ready to gush a bit more. Uh, phrasing, but yes. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm... <laughs> Sorry, you were the one who said it, sir. It's Don't early, you can't blame me for this. Too early in the morning, even though it's almost ten o'clock. <laughs> but yeah, see, you, Jack. Tell them I'm a recording. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. We're off the rails. We're off the rails. <laughs>